And good morning to all of you, all of you snowbirds that uh, would love to go snow, go skiing. I'm sorry, but uh, this is just not going to be one of those winters. Uh, at least not till February is what I've been told. Um, so we're just going to have to enjoy all of this warm weather, which some of us do. Most of us actually do. We uh, kind of took a poll as different ones were coming and going and asking about how they enjoyed this warm weather. By the way, down in Virginia, we, uh, we were in the 70s a couple of days. And the only regret we have is that we didn't take shorts and t-shirts. You know, we had the beanies and gloves and layers and layers and none of which we needed. But, um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what kind of skiing and sledding we're going to do this year, but uh, I really enjoy uh, the weather that we're having, which you know. Um, some of you I know you'd rather have a little snow, but I have a couple of announcements I do need to make, and I thank, do thank you for your prayers on our behalf. Um, this is a note from Janet Baylor, uh, Jeanette Baylor, and she, as you know, um, her husband passed away a little while ago recently, and uh, we took a collection and we raised a little over $1,000 to be able to give to her. And this is her response to that gift. How loving and kind you are to even think of me, and it will never be forgotten. I don't even have enough words to express my complete gratitude for your financial gift. It totally blew me away. That complete strangers would do this. It will help me in so many ways. It is at times like this that God shows his complete grace through others, and it restores our faith in humanity. Again, thank you from the depth of my heart, and may God richly bless each of you and everyone. Sincerely, Jeanette Baylor. So, uh, continue to pray for her, uh, having experienced the loss of her husband. If you're involved in the Christmas Eve service, which is uh, coming up very quickly. Uh, please see Kim after the service today for about five minutes. I suppose, Kim, you want to meet over here. So if you're participating in that uh, service, uh, please stay for a couple minutes after the service today. Uh, the vote last week was unanimous in favor of moving forward with a new sanctuary roof. Uh, so we thank you for that. And as we said, next April is when uh, that work will be completed. We're going caroling tonight. Um, please, if you haven't signed up already, do so uh, before you leave today. Uh, come at 5.30 tonight. Uh, we have some names picked out of shut-ins and different ones in our area in which we're going to go to their homes. Uh, also, bring a flashlight. That's always helpful as, uh, as we walk the streets. Uh, the kids' Christmas practice, they're going to practice again next Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Um, so if you kids are involved in the uh, program on Christmas Sunday, which is next week already, uh, please come to that practice. Our Christmas service will be next week on December the 20th, and it does start at? Good, 9.30. Don't forget the time change. Next Sunday at 9.30. And then as I mentioned, Christmas Eve next Thursday on the 24th. We do thank you for coming this morning. If you're a visitor with us today, we certainly thank you for your visit. And if you would be very kind to fill out a visitor's card right in front of you in the hymn rack, uh, we would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Leonard's going to come and lead us in hymn number 113. If you have your hymn books, please turn to hymn number 113. I'll ask you to stand with me as we sing this together. 113 Angels we
<clears throat> there we go. That's better. <clears throat> Angels we Shepherds gazed in wonder While angel voices sing This night of nights has come And brought the world Their long-awaited king The earth was filled with gladness And yet the heavens weeped For heaven's eyes could see He was born to die for me Jesus, is that a tear in your eye? Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, you must know you were born to die.
It must have broken God's heart For the future he could see Yet he formed the hands and feet Knowing one day they'd be nailed to a tree So all the world could know him This gift came from above For God so loved the world That he gave his only son With a tear of love in your eye Jesus, sweet baby Jesus You knew you were born to die So Jesus, thank you Jesus for your gift of eternal life. Jesus, my Jesus, cause for me you were born to as always amen powerful as always and then jesus came for us it's such an amazing thing to to think about um that he would die before we even knew him um wow if you could open your your prayer ministry sheet this morning and uh Look at that with me again. This is a, a fantastic way to stay in the loop as to what prayer requests are needed and what prayer requests we have here in the church. Um, you know, I, I think back of growing up at my house, and my mom had a book that she would keep full of prayer requests, and she would write down a prayer request, and in the back of the book, she'd write down if it was answered, how it was answered, and um, a list. And I grew up, you know, with her always having lists, and so this is just fantastic, a great way to just sit down and, and pray through them. Um, the prayer of the saints is a very powerful thing. It is. I'd like to open it up this morning. If anyone has any prayer requests that you'd like to share with, with the church family, uh, if you could just raise your hand this morning. Yes. Reese Westfall. If you didn't hear it, the Westfall family, um, Reese Westfall was recently in a traffic accident where he hit a tree, and he's now at the Hershey Medical Center. Um, let's keep them in our prayers. Any other requests this morning? Evelyn. Yes. Rocky Smith. Sure. 
others this morning. Yes, Jan. Yes. What were, what were the names? Willow and Laurel. Yes, yes, that is something also to keep in the prayers. I'm sure. Oh, oh man. Any other requests this morning or praises? Yes, Dave. this morning before we go to prayer. Yes, Larry. Yes. Pastor Saeed Abedini in Iran, if you weren't able to be here. Yes. Anything else this morning? Yes, Sarah. Any others this morning? Yes. Anything else this morning? Let's go to prayer. Almighty Father, you are amazing. Father, it's this time of year where we celebrate um, the unconditional and amazing love that we cannot begin to understand. Father, and you sending your own son for us as a baby, and he had to go through, Father, the whole life. Father, he had to go through living on this earth, through the ups and downs, but it was all for us. And we are so thankful for that. Father, this morning, um, we have heavy hearts. Lord, we do. And um, we think of, of all of the members of our, our congregation and the family members of our congregation that are, that are struggling with cancer. Father, for those that have, have thought that they have beaten it, Father, but it has come back. Lord, the Bible says that you are the great physician. Father, we also know that nothing catches you by surprise, God, because you are in control of everything. You are. You are sovereign. And, and God, we pray for healing in each one of those individuals' lives. Father, that the cancer is removed. Lord, we think of, of Reese Westfall and the Westfall family. Um, Father, we ask that you surround them with your love right now. Father, give them strength. Lord, we, we think of uh, and we praise you for Katie's twins. Father, what, a, what an awesome thing to see new life in this world. Lord, we thank you that you kept Sarah safe in her car accident. God, again, you are in control and you are awesome, Lord, and we praise you. And we know that somehow in all of these things, Father, you have a purpose and you have a reason for them. And then, Lord, we might not understand them, God, but that doesn't change the fact that you are still God and you are in control. 
Lord, for any request that I did not mention this morning, for any heart that is heavy this morning or any, any praise that, that is meant to be lifted, Father, we ask that you hear them, Father, and, and you know them. We don't have to speak them for you to understand them. Father, we thank you for who you are, and we ask that everything we say and do glorifies your holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen. things I think in life is to listen to truth. Um, sometimes it can be very convicting. Sometimes it can be very challenging. Sometimes it's very easy to listen to. Um, but sometimes to have truth spoken into our lives is a very difficult thing. Um, let me ask you this morning, as we sing this next song, that you open your heart to the Lord and say, Father, whatever truth is to be shared with me today, um, whether it's between the Sunday morning hour or if it's something when you open your word at home, that your heart is open to hear what he has to say. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence I've tasted and seen 
are the sweetest of loves But when my heart becomes free And my shame is undone In your presence, Lord Holy Spirit In the Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. But when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit. Let's sing Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Thou, O oh Lord, art 
above all the earth. Thou art exalted above all Well, it is great to, to be with you again, to be able to share with you again. It's something, again, I look forward to opening the Word of God every Sunday with the family here at Word of Life Chapel. It is an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to see what God has for each and every one of us each week. And, and the, the truth that God might be sharing with you might be completely different than the truth that God is sharing with me. It doesn't change the fact that it's still truth from God. I heard a story of a, of a pastor, and at the end of his sermon, he walked to the back of the sanctuary, um, sort of like what, what Pastor Bob and I do, and, and greeted his constituents on the way out. And uh, this, this man came, as an elderly man with a cane. He walks up to the pastor, and he gets there, and he shakes his hand, and he says, Reverend, great sermon today. I think you're smarter than Albert Einstein. And the pastor is standing there, and he kind of puffs his chest out a little bit. Thank you very much. And the man leaves, and, and the pastor begins to think about this throughout the week. And he's like, what in the world does this guy mean? How am I smarter than Albert Einstein? So he, he continues to think about it and wrestle with this, this compliment that he was given, but he, he doesn't really understand what it meant. And, and he, you know what? I'm going to ask this guy. The next week I see him in church, I'm going to ask him what he means. And so he goes over and, and he sees at the end of the service, he books it to the back and sees this man walking with his cane towards the pastor again. The pastor grabs the man's hand and he says, Sir, do you remember what you told me last week? And, yes, I do, Reverend. He said, well, well, what do you mean I'm smarter than Albert Einstein? How am I smarter than Albert Einstein? And, and the man looks at him and he says, Well, it was said that Albert Einstein is so smart that only ten people could understand him. And Reverend, when you speak, nobody understands you. <laughs> so I hope this morning that you understand what, what the Lord has to to share with you this morning. <laughs> Last week we talked about, uh, farther along, about waiting for what God has in store for us and how many times we don't really know what God is doing until farther along. We looked at the story of Joseph and how it took Joseph 20 years to see what God was really doing in his life. Um, and I'm sure there were many more things that happened after that that we're not made aware of, things that had all come because of the situations that Joseph had went through. This morning, I'd like to look at our purpose in life. Um, I think we each have individual purposes. God might say that he, he expects you to do this, or he hopes that you're going to do this. He would like you to do this. But there are purposes that apply to us as a corporate body of believers. There are three things that I would like to look at this morning. Reasons that, purposes that God has given us of why we are here on this earth. The first one I would like to look at this morning is holiness. And Pete, I'm sorry, I forgot my uh, clicker. I'm going to have to have you help me here. Oh, you got it. Yeah, I can just get it here. Sorry. I don't know if the clicker is... There we go. Perfect. 
Let me move this out of the way here so I can see what's on the screen. If you could open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter 1. Uh, we're we're going to look at what does holiness mean in our life? What are these purposes that God has given us? If any of you have ever had a job where your boss doesn't give you a purpose or you feel like you're just doing busy work, maybe at school and your teacher gives you a paper, we don't like that. We don't. Um, we like to have direction as humans. We like to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we've been given different purposes in the Word of God, reasons to, to do things, that God, commandments that God has given us. And the first one is holiness. I believe our purpose is to be holy. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as, he who is, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, holiness is an interesting thing to talk about. It really is. Well, what does holiness mean? What does it look like? How can I be holy? Well, let's, let's clear something up. The only way that we can be holy is by the blood of Jesus. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we even have a chance of being holy. And, and his blood covers all of our sins, which allows us, again, to be redeemed. But there's another side of holiness, a side that requires action, requires us to make decisions. There's a man by the name of Jerry Bridges who wrote a book called Pursuing Holiness. And this is what he says. When we commit ourselves to the pursuit of holiness... We need to ensure that our commitment is actually to God and not simply to a holy lifestyle or a set of moral values. Offer yourselves to God, and in doing that, commit yourself to the pursuit of holiness in order to please Him. Let me read that one more time. When we commit ourselves to the pursuit of holiness, we need to ensure that our commitment is actually to God and not simply to a holy lifestyle or a set of moral values. Offer yourselves to God, and in doing that, commit yourselves to the pursuit of holiness in order to please Him. So holiness is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It can become a God, almost like we're trying to become saved by our own works. That's not what holiness is at all. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we are saved, and then we are to pursue a life of being holy. In Leviticus, in the Old Testament, it talks about, be holy as I am holy. The Lord is saying, listen, you're going to follow me. Back it up with some action. Live the way I'm telling you to live. And, and holiness, it, it, the definition is set-apartness or apartness. All right, so to be set apart from the world is a difficult thing. It really is. You know, when you're, in, when you're in school and your friends are doing something that you know they shouldn't be doing, that goes against the word of God, and you have to take a stand, that's hard. When you're at your job and you see someone that is climbing their way to the top, but they are cheating, they are doing it the wrong way, they're lying, maybe they're being deceitful, and you've been working your tail off and you cannot seem to get any farther, it's hard to be set apart. Because we don't always see the fruit of the work that we're doing. It's hard to be holy. It is hard when we pursue that holiness sometimes. But that doesn't change the fact that we are still called to be holy. What does that look like? What does it look like to be holy? Let me step on your feet this morning. Just kidding, I hope I don't. But if I do, it happens. <laughs> being holy means being different than the world. It means being set apart. 2 Timothy 1.9 says he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Brennan Manning, one of my favorite authors, says the temptation of the age is to look good without being good. Would you agree with that? The temptation of the age is to look good without being good. So let me challenge you this morning. If you believe in the word of God, if the Bible is where you put your hope, where you put your faith, if you are a child of God and you have completely surrendered to him, we have to pursue God. Pursue that relationship. That's where holiness comes from. When you are pursuing God, when you are looking for that relationship, trying to grow in your walk with God, that's when we strive for holiness. Not a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. But if we are to be different than the world, open with me to Matthew 5, 43, verse 43. Matthew 5, 43. If we are really to be different than the world, I think this is one of the most key verses that describes what it looks like to be different than the world. Verse 43 says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you only greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be holy, therefore, as your Father in heaven is holy. There was a presidential candidate who came out this past two weeks and uh, said that he would like to ban Muslims from coming to the United States of America. And I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. If you have a cell phone, you get updates from this guy all the time. Um, you don't want them, but they probably make you laugh every time you get them. Laugh or cry. Um, what does it mean to love our enemies? I don't want to get political this morning. I really don't. I could talk forever on being political. I don't want to do that. But what does it really mean to love our enemies? If you know what a meme is, a meme is a picture that's put on the internet where people put words beneath it. And there was a picture I saw of Jesus and children sitting on his lap. And Jesus is saying this, that you are supposed to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And there's a man in the background. And this man says, well, wait a minute. What about Muslims? The next picture is Jesus again. I'll start again and tell me where I lost you. That's a tough thing to think about. To love our enemies, what does that look like? That is being set apart from the rest of the world because people do not love their enemies. We love to put up our fists. What does it mean to be set apart? What does it mean to be holy? We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. When people look at us, they should see Jesus. The second thing I believe that we are called to, the second purpose in our life, is witnessing and discipleship. Not just one, not just the other, but witnessing and discipleship. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Acts 1 through 8, before Jesus ascends into heaven, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're called to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, and we are called to make disciples. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the things, I, I grew up on the mission field, grew up in Bolivia, and I can tell you how many teams came through, and they would have a room of people maybe, half this size and, and the people are listening to someone preach to them for the first time and tell them about Jesus and they would say at the end we're going to pray a prayer and if you believe that Jesus is your savior raise your hand and all of a sudden everybody raises their hand and it's like oh boy what amazing thing God is doing but Jesus doesn't just tell us to be his witnesses he tells us to make disciples and there's a reason for that God's omniscience, God's amazing power and his knowledge is amazing. In the beginning of time, he knew this. Culture, cultures are different. They are. And when you go to Bolivia, if you have a room of people and you're telling them about Jesus and you say, listen, raise your hand if you believe what I'm telling you, they're all going to raise their hand because it's polite. And so you might go and tell them, and it doesn't mean they didn't believe in Jesus, but we're not called to just tell people. We're called to make disciples. To go and point people in a direction to where they can grow in their walk with God. For those of you who are teachers um, or, or students, and whether you're in uh, public school, Christian school, cyber school, homeschool, it doesn't matter. If, if your teacher came up to you and gave you a piece of paper and said, here, figure this out. It's not the easiest thing to do. Parents, you know, sometimes your kids will come and say, I don't understand this. It's from school. And you'll be like, well, I don't understand it either. We are, called to be, we are called to make disciples because we've studied the word of God and we've grown in our walk with God and then we can take that knowledge that God has given us and the wisdom that God has given us and share it with other people so that then they can go and be witnesses and make disciples. It's a, it's a whole spectrum. It's amazing what God can do, God's knowledge, the way that God, what he tells us to do, our purpose in life to make witnesses and disciples of Jesus Christ. Not just one, 
not just the other, but to be his witness and to make disciples. That's challenging, and, I, and I, that might push you out of your comfort zone. I know it pushed me out of my comfort zone. It's hard enough to tell someone about Jesus, so now I need to tell them about Jesus and make sure that you know, they're in a place where they can grow in their walk with the Lord, or I have to open the Bible with them, and that makes me uncomfortable. Our purpose in life is to be holy, to be witnesses and disciples. And I believe our purpose, our number one purpose on being here on this earth, the purpose that encompasses all other purposes, is we're here to glorify God. We are here to glorify God. Psalms 115.1 it says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. Isaiah 43, 7, I don't have it up on the screen, but it's, the Lord is talking and he talks about people whom he created for his glory. He created us to glorify him and everything that we say and do. Corinthians talks about everything that you eat or drink, let it be to the glory of God. Psalms 86, 12, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. I will exalt thee. Oh, Lord. And I think we, we sometimes limit glorifying God to Sunday morning or to maybe when you have your Bible open, but, but do you think about how your life glorifies God? When you're at your job and you're presented with an opportunity, maybe it's something that you should not be doing, and you have to make a decision. Do you know that that decision either glorifies God or it doesn't? The way that you treat your spouse glorifies God or it doesn't. The way that you treat your brothers and sisters glorifies God or it doesn't. The way that you talk about people behind their back glorifies God or it doesn't. We are created to glorify God in everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we think. But the most amazing part about all of this, about these purposes that we were given, is that even though we don't come close to accomplishing what God needs for us to be to walk into heaven, he sent his own son to pay that price because we're never going to be as we should be. We're just not. We have to accept that and understand that. Listen, the perfect standard to get into heaven is something we can't even begin to imagine, and I'm way down here. But that doesn't matter. Because there was someone sent about 2,000 years ago who had a purpose. There was a baby that was laid in a manger who had a purpose. And the purpose is explained in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And here's the purpose. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came so we could be reconciled with God. The purpose. Can you imagine? Jesus came to die. He came to die. And I think about my, my relationship with God, my walk with God, and I, I think, okay, God, you know what? I, you died for me before I even knew you. You knew who I was, but you know how many times I'm going to mess up. You know how many times I'm going to shake my fist at you. You know how many times I'm going to turn my back, and even though I know what the right thing to do is, I'm going to do the wrong thing. You know that I'm never going to be holy. You know that I might try and get there, but I'm never going to accomplish what I should. You know, God, that I'm going to see people that I should tell about Jesus Christ, and I'm going to walk the other way. You know that I'm going to see someone that needs food and not give it to them. You know that I'm going to think thoughts that are impure. You know how I'm going to treat my spouse, but you love me anyway. But you died for me anyway. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. <coughs> the purpose of Jesus coming was to fix that relationship that was shattered in Genesis. He came for you. He came because he loves you. Not the person next to you. Not Word of Life Chapel. Not myself. He came because he loves you. And I think one of the dangers that we find ourselves in, in in our society, in our culture today, is we think, well, you know, God's going to love me if I am rigorously faithful in my marriage. God's going to love me 
I open my Bible and read it every day. God's going to love me if I get on my knees and pray two hours a day. God's going to love me even more. God must love me because I go out and I feed the homeless. God must love me because even though I'm treated poorly, I respond in love. God must love me because you know what? I memorize more verses than anybody I know. If that is why you think God loves you, then you're no better than the Pharisees in the New Testament. God loves you because he loves you, period. There's no conditions. Think about that. He loves you because he loves you. That's it. He loves you because he loves you. Not the person next to you. Not the person behind you. He loves you because he loves you. Let's watch this short video. says to your heart and mind tonight, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for one another. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin, pallid, wavering, moody, dependent on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine, for I am God as well as man. When you read in the Gospels that Jesus was moved with compassion, it is saying his gut was wrenched. His heart torn open, the most vulnerable part of his being laid there. The ground of all being shook. The source of all life trembled. The heart of all love burst open. And the unfathomable depths of the relentless tenderness was laid bare. Your Christian life and mine don't make any sense unless in the depth of our beings we believe that Jesus not only knows what hurts us, but knowing seeks us out, whatever our poverty, whatever our pain. His plea to his people is come now wounded, frightened, angry, lonely, empty, and I'll meet you where you live. And I love you as you are, not as you should be, because you're never going to be as you should be. Do you really believe this? That with all the wrong turns you made in your past, the mistakes, the moments of selfishness, dishonesty, and degraded love, do you really believe that Jesus Christ loves you? Not the person next to you, not the church, not the world, but that he loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity. That he loves you in the morning sun and the evening rain without caution, regret, boundary, limit, no matter what's gone down, he can't stop loving you. This is the Jesus of the Gospels. Do you believe that this morning? I think that's a truth that we need to remind ourselves of again and again and again. It's so easy this time of year to say, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and have no meaning behind it. So easy this year to get caught up in all of the gifts and all of the crazy traffic and trying to get your gifts if you waited till the last minute. It's so easy to get caught up in Santa Claus and, and, and everything that goes on in, in the Christmas time. But the real meaning of Christmas is that God loves you because he loves you. No conditions. Nothing that you can do. Nothing that I can do. He loves you because he loves you. The man that just spoke in the video, Brendan Manning, says this, I can more easily contain Niagara Falls in a teacup than I can comprehend the wild, uncontainable love of God. What a picture. What a picture. Let me challenge you this morning. That during this Christmas season, you remember the three purposes that I, that I mentioned to you. Our call to holiness, to being different than the world. Jesus never intended for us to not be involved with the world. The Lord's Prayer is, explains that. We are to be involved with the world. But we are to be holy. We are to be different. To remember that we are called to make witnesses and disciples. 
And that we are called ultimately in everything that we say and do. Every breath we take, every thought we think to glorify God. And let's be honest. We're never going to accomplish that. That's why Jesus came. That's why. That's not take away our responsibility, but that's why Jesus came. Because you know what? He loves you because he loves you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for that awesome truth from the quote from Brennan Manning that he could more easily contain Niagara Falls in a teacup than comprehend the wild, uncontainable love of God. Father, you are amazing. And your love is amazing. And we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you what, what it's all about, that it's about how much you love us. God, today, if there's anyone in the room this morning that has not accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior, that does not understand that love, has never felt that love that you can give, Father, I ask they do not leave this room this morning without talking to myself or Pastor Bob about this amazing love. Lord, do not let us leave this church today the same people that we were when we came in. Father, draw us to holiness. Draw us to people that we can witness to. Father, and give us strength to glorify you in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. For God, he so loved the world. 110 angels from the realms of glory Wing your flight o'er all the earth, who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King. Let's stand together, we'll sing angels from the realms of glory, we'll sing all four stanzas, and we'll be dismissed. for that love which has been described to us today. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that it's not because we have loved you, but, Father, that you have loved us. And, Father, we thank you for demonstrating that great love in sending your Son, the Lord Jesus, into our world. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Father, we thank you for that love that has been demonstrated on Calvary's cross. Father, there's no other love than love like that. And so we do thank you for showing yourself, revealing yourself in a very special way. You have come to seek and save the lost. And so I pray that, Father, you would use the truth of this message to penetrate hearts and lives 
Father, use your spirit to continue to draw us to yourself. What a wonderful and awesome God you are. And we thank you for loving us for who we are. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.